Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Um, I think all of us are, are excited and finally looking forward to the end of of this COVID uh, situation, we're on level two, which feels, I said to Nicole, I thought we were on level two, but no, we weren't. We're on level 3.7, I think. I don't know what, I lost track. So yeah, I think we're all a bit lighter today. Uh, life is starting to, to, to look a little bit more like it used to, but obviously we, who knows when it will get to that position, if it will. But yeah, like Michael said, it's really cool that I get to spend time with you guys today and facilitate, basically. That's what I'm aiming to do today, is facilitate our time in the Word. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing things differently. It's me. Did you have any other expectation? Um, basically, this morning, we're going to camp in just one particular passage of Scripture, just one. And we're going to journey through the text together, and we're going to explore and unpack its richness. So. It's going to be more akin to a Bible study or even like a personal Bible study that I would do myself in, in my living room, which you are now in. And that's because, hey, I, I, love, I love studying the Bible, literally. And I've, I've, it's therefore imperative that all of us turn to that passage of Scripture together. So we're going to start with Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Now, some of you are probably already quoting it internally or out loud to the people next to you or to yourself. But I want you to turn to the Passion Translation. So if you have an electronic device, click that drop down and choose TPT, the Passion Translation, if possible. Otherwise, if you have good old fashioned paper, then you just follow along with us. It won't be that different. But I would like, if possible, if everybody could turn to the Passion Translation of Proverbs. Chapter 4, verse 23. All right, everybody there, thumbs up. Cool. Now, the Lord ministered to me through the course of this week, and this is basically what I'm going to be unpacking, is how he's basically been ministering to my own heart and unpacking Scripture, and that's what we're going to do today. So as we're going to treat Proverbs 4, 23 as our center, and we're going to journey from there. This is what the Passion Translation says. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. From there flows the wellspring of life. Our whole focus this morning is going to, is going to be about gaining a holistic understanding of the heart. A holistic understanding of heart. Specifically, we're going to get into the mind of the author, Solomon, here, to better understand how he saw and understood heart. Only once we understand his view on heart can we, can we understand this proverb a bit better and heed what it's telling us. It's a proverb. It's, it's, it's imploring us, imploring Solomon's children and his son, David, or his son, sorry, he's David's son, his son, to protect and preserve our hearts. That's what the Proverbs is doing. It's imploring us to protect and preserve our hearts. Now, most times, Proverbs 4.23, like probably you guys have done 
internally or externally is quoted in isolation like we just did today. We read Proverbs 4.23 and we quoted in isolation. Normally in Proverbs this isn't really an issue because the way the book is designed sometimes it's meant to be designed with some takeaway verses that are meant to stand alone as these words of wisdom. However, Proverbs 4.23 is not in, is not isolated. It's actually placed in a passage of scripture where the surrounding Bible verses do form, a, form an important context in this case. So let's read the whole passage of scripture. Okay, and to do that, we're going to do something a bit different this morning. I'm going to share my screen and we're going to read it together. For those of you who don't have who don't have the Passion Translation in front of you, I'm going to show it to you. All right, so we're going to read from Proverbs 4, verse 20, all the way down to 27. It says, Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, Guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using per perverse words, no matter what. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Watch where you are going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked even for a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. Now you can almost imagine Solomon speaking to his children and his son, and you can almost see how impactful those words are when we read them as a complete passage. But I don't want to stop there. I actually want to journey with you how sometimes I approach scripture and I want us to do a contextual study together. I'll be facilitating this contextual study and we, like I said, we're going to treat, you can see on your screen, I've put us, there's a star there. I'm using the Bible gateway. So this is accessible to everybody. And I put a star there to show where, you, where our center point is, where we started. And we're going to treat verse 23 as that center point. But we're going to read it in context and we're going to read it upwards and outwards. And in doing this, we're going to gain a deeper understanding of how the author Solomon saw heart, how he illustrated, how he understands what heart means. And this is what our goal is, like I said, to start off with. So then we can better understand how we are to conserve and protect our heart. Now, this for this exercise, we're literally going to do an exercise. This might feel a bit like a lecture, but all the better for it. I'm going to be highlighting things. So the most important thing we're going to highlight here, and I'm going to use red, is heart. I trust all of you guys can see that. Thumbs up. All right, so you can see heart. Now, to begin, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight all the phrases that can be used to describe or to relate to one's heart. In other words, synonyms or phrases, something you would turn to a Hebrew thesaurus and you would see another words for, for heart. Maybe that's the best way I can explain it to you. And we're going to start with verse 23. And like I said, we're going to journey upwards and outwards. So let's start. It says, so let's see what other phrases we can find that describe heart. All right. So the first one, we're going to start in verse 23. Heart, affect all that you are. 
So I'm going to highlight this in yellow, right? Another way of, of understanding heart is your innermost being. Also going to highlight in yellow. And also from verse 23 still, the wellspring of life. So just from that passage alone, from that verse alone, we can see three synonyms or phrases that relate to one's heart or can be described for one's heart. But let's go upwards in Proverbs verse 22, 4.22, the very core of your being. And we're going to highlight that one as well in yellow. And then the last one I want to highlight in this passage of scripture in verse 21, continuing upwards, is deep in your spirit, into your spirit. Deep into your spirit. So now you can see this heart is becoming to be fleshed out. If heart was an abstract word, we're starting to put different ideas and phrases that relate to one's heart. But before we continue, let me read these descriptions together that we just highlighted as a cohesive, holistic thought. Your heart affects all that you are. It is your wellspring of life resting in your very core, your innermost being deep in your spirit. Let me read that again. Your heart affects all that you are. It is your, your wellspring of life resting in your very core, your innermost being deep in your spirit. Isn't that beautiful? To understand now, we get a, we're getting a better understanding of heart in the mind of Solomon. But we're not, we're not done. There's so much more. There's so much more that heart can illustrate, specifically in the Hebraic way of thinking and in Solomon's, in Solomon's mind. And we, but we're starting to see, we're starting to get a glimpse that for Solomon, this heart is not just a physical organ, but a center responsible for much more. It's not just a physical organ like we know we can feel the heart's beating in our chest, but it's, it's, it's responsible for so much more. I'm going to read you a quote from Cohen who writes here that in Solomon's day, the heart was considered to be the central organ which conditions all man's activities and upon whose correct functioning depends the character of his living. So now heart is talking about the center controls all man's activities and the correct functioning of his character. So we again, the, kit, the curtain is drawing a bit more open to understanding heart. But I want to continue with our exercise, and we're going to highlight facets of the heart that are hinted in the scripture. Different facets of the heart. And we're going we're gonna to do this in green. And again, we're going to start off from verse 23. The first one that describes a facet of the heart is affections affections that's something i think we all know familiar that a heart can speak of affections verse 22 like your physical heart it can also refer to your your health or your radiant health we all know how important the heart is for health right then in verse 21 we're continuing upwards this is something that maybe not everyone is familiar with, but your thoughts, your thoughts, your heart, your heart as a facet is also responsible for your thoughts. And we continue, and this time we're going to go down again, one that some maybe not everyone's familiar with, 
but your heart, a facet of your heart, is also responsible to watch where you're going. To watch where you're going, just like the headline from the passage from 25 to 27. So here we can see we're starting to continue to unwrap this heart idea and what Solomon sees as the heart. And again, let's read it holistically as a cohesive thought to explain what the heart is responsible for, its functions. What is it responsible for? It says here, I've written here, the heart is not merely responsible for our radiant health, but it is too responsible for our affections, our thoughts. It helps us decide which path to take. Let me read that again. Our heart is not merely, merely responsible for our health, but it too is responsible for our affections, our thoughts, and it helps us decide which path to take. The decide part, maybe you guys are hooked on that, but remember phrases like I set my heart on that idea. I set my heart in that course of direction. It's a biblical, it's a biblical analogy when David set his heart to build the temple for the Lord, to set your heart on something. Okay, so you're with me, starting to, you're starting to see we're entering into the Hebrew mind of what heart means. Now, it's interesting to note, the Hebrews didn't have a word for brain. They didn't have a word for brain. They saw the heart as the central part for the whole being. That's why I'm giving you a holistic understanding of heart. Now, I think I've put off the Hebrew definition of heart for far too long. Normally, that's what I do off the, off the bat, and you guys are maybe wondering when I'm going to do it. Now, instead of me just rattling it off, you can read it for yourself. Why I like the Passion Translation of the Scripture, there's a mere click of the button, and you get that Hebrew definition as a footnote. Your Bibles may have it as a footnote, and, and this one is an interactive one. So let me read it right off the screen in front of you. The Hebrew word for lavav is the most common word for heart. It includes our thoughts, our will, our discernment, and our affections. You see how in Hebrew, in the Hebrew word, it's holistic with its understanding. Another way of putting it is something that we would have attributed to the mind. You could say the three special functions, knowing, feeling, and willing, was ascribed by modern psychologists to the mind. Right? You go to a psychologist today, they talk about how does that make you feel? You know, and then they're still talking, talking about knowing and willing. They used to relate that to the mind in Western culture. But in the Hebrew understanding, it's attributed to the heart. And the biblical writers attributed knowing, feeling, and willing to the heart. Levav. So we can see, and what I'm going to do, and what was very inspirational for me, as, as always, is the Bible Project. And they do, a tremendous, they do a tremendous word study of heart, and I encourage you to watch that. But what I've done is I've just taken a screenshot for you guys of what they divide the heart into to give you a physical representation. You can see the thought, you can see the physical aspect of the heart, the emotion and the choices. This is how Hebrew writers understood heart. Very different to our Western mind, isn't it? So why am I why am I unpacking this for you? Why did we go and we were actually going to continue in this contextual study? I'm just going to unshare my screen for a moment. Basically, why am I doing this is the Lord is really ministering to me in terms of how he wants to engage with us. And more importantly, how he wants us to engage with him. As our study has highlighted, our heart is the core of who we are. 
It, it's what makes you, you. It is responsible for your health, your emotions, your thoughts, and your choices. So when we approach the word, it's imperative that we engage it with our whole heart. With our whole heart. When we read the word, we need to invest all of who we are, our emotions, our thoughts, our choices, and of course, our physical self. You know, sometimes, I know for myself I do, but sometimes I think we treat the word like a vending machine. We walk up to it with the predetermined desire and expectation of what we, what we want and what we expect to receive. Let me give you an example. So you wake up, down, you, you emotionally, you knock yourself, you really, you, you kind of flat, you deflated, and you say, I think I will have an encouraging psalm this morning as I'm feeling quite down. That's an emotional expectation. You walk to the Bible expecting an emotional uplift. Or you're in, a, in, a, in, a, you're in need of some wisdom, right? You're facing choices in life or, or et cetera, and you walk up to the Bible and you say, I need some wisdom today. Proverbs it is. That's where I need wisdom. I go to Proverbs. Solomon, like he's telling his son, will tell me how I can make this decision or how can I move forward in life. A directive. That's a directive expectation. This isn't necessarily wrong. I don't think it's wrong necessarily. But maybe we're limiting the power of the word and its impact on our whole being. We compartmentalize what we're going to receive from the word at different time or stages or situations that we're in. For me and for myself, I love engaging the word intellectually. But for me, I've noticed that it's only the outer courts of my study. It's only where I start. It's my gateway. You see, I long for those moments when the word ministers to me deeply, to all that I am. Like we're doing today, we're starting in the intellect, we're journeying, we're exercising the mind. But as we journey, what happens is the, the word, as you meditate on these words in your mind, it starts to speak to your emotion. And you, as you meditate and chew on its richness throughout the day and week. And then it starts to affect your choices as the word has impacted you. Right? And its fruit can be then seen physically. Is that not the purpose of the word? To impact you physically as well, in your behavior, in your words, and yes, like Proverbs says, and your health, like Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who, who's, who seeks the Lord as he is a tree planted by living waters. We know following the word has a health, physical health response. So we can see our whole being is exercised when we fully engage in the word. You know, I think in the Western world, where we've grown up, most of us, we divide the Hebrew heart understanding into two separate parts. In fact, we don't even label one as belonging to the heart at all. We ask the following question, do I follow my head or do I follow my heart in the situation? Like they're in opposition to one another, like they are at the, the enemies of one another or rivals. But as I began to study deeper, the word of God, I began to realize that both my head and my heart need to be fully engaged in the type, in the type of study Solomon is imploring us to do in this, in this passage of Proverbs here. You see, it's, it's not that your head and your heart are separate things that are at war with one another, enmity at one another. Rather, they need to be, they need to be one. Our innermost being needs to be united in that pursuit, in that pursuit of engaging the word. This is what this is what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to adopt and engage in the Hebrew understanding of heart. Like the Shema, I'm not going to 
recite the Shema, but you know how we have to love the Lord our God with everything we got, with everything we have. Again, why am I focusing so much on the heart here? It's not just because it's interesting and insightful and maybe for a, a, a few moments we expand our understanding of heart in this passage, but I believe it is a necessity to actually understand this passage we're reading today and we're actually studying it. This proverb urges us, what does it urge us to do when we read it? It urges us to partake of certain actions vital to our holistic heart health. It urges us to take action, to do certain things that is imperative for us to live a healthy life and not just physically, but all those aspects in our mind, in our bones, in our, in our emotions, in our choices. These are actions that Solomon is urging us to engage every aspect of our heart that we just highlighted to ensure that all we are is free. Free from what? Free from the corruption that we encounter every day. And we don't need to state where that corruption comes from. It's there. It's, it's prevalent. But it encourages us to partake of these actions. So we're going to return to the study. We thought I was done, but I'm not. We're going to return to the study. And we're going to highlight these actions in blue. So the screen should be up for you now. And we're going to go through Proverbs again, this time from top to bottom, from verse 20. And we're going to highlight actions that Solomon implores his son and us today to do. So let's start. What does he say right at the beginning? Listen carefully, he says. Listen carefully to what? To everything that I teach you. Now, it's important to remember at this time, the Bible was given orally. It was shared in a family setting, in a community setting, around the dinner table. Every moment that they had together, they spoke the word to one another. They shared the word as a community thing. So when he's imploring his son to listen carefully to everything that I teach you, every time I'm unpacking the Bible for you, we're unpacking it together. Listen carefully. Now, verse 20 doesn't stop there. We all know we can listen, or we can hear rather, but doesn't mean we listen, right? Now, isn't it amazing the Hebrew authors knew this? Solomon knows this to his son, knows him very well. And he says, pay attention. Pay attention to what? To all that I have to say. Can you hear, can you hear Jesus and the Father speaking to us today through these scriptures? Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I have to say. To all. How does the Lord speak to us? He speaks to us through, our, through his word, through what we're doing right now. Right? Now, it's also important to note, like I said, the Bible was shared as a, in a form of oral exercise. That means they were physically hearing the word out loud. And, of course, in, in Hebrew understanding of meditation, the actual word for meditation in Hebrew is hagah. Right? And what that meant was, this is one of the first things I learned in when I joined the ministry three, four years ago, is that the word Hagar literally means the sound a bear makes when he's devouring his meal. So you can imagine a bear snatches up a nice salmon and he's going to town on the salmon. And you can imagine that noise. Can you hear it in your mind? Right? He's, everything himself is, is absorbed and obsessed with this piece of fish and he's devouring it and he can hear all the noise. It's also the same sound of a dove cooing on a rock. I mean, the other day I was woken up by a dove cooing, right? That's what doves do. They coo, right? But why, what does that mean for meditation? 
for the Hebrews, it means to audibly mutter the word as if you were a dove cooing or a bear feasting. It was, it was an oral exercise. They spoke it out. They audibly muttered it. It was not only, it was heard audibly in the ears. Like we said, hearing isn't always listening. We need to fully pay attention. And that's what, and that's what Solomon is urging his son to do here. Be fully engaged with your mind. Right? That's, your mind is involved in listening and paying attention. Then we carry on verse 21. He says here, what, 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 what should you do with your thoughts? He says, you should fill your thoughts with what? With my words. Continues, he continues to unpack what that means. Fill your thoughts with my words. Until what? Until they penetrate. Until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Filling our thoughts means to submerge ourselves in the word. To submerge ourselves in the word so much that it pours into our very being. Now, this filling for me that I've come to realize isn't a quantitative filling. It doesn't matter how much you read the word. It's not a religious exercise. More importantly, it matters how deep the word is penetrating into your heart. It's about depth here. That filling that we see in front of us here. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate. It's allowing the word of God to pour into your heart that it penetrates into the depth of your spirit. That it's making an impact. It's landing. So this filling is not necessarily quantitative. Of course, if you engage in the word as it is meant to be engaged wholeheartedly often enough, then it will be a, it will be a quality of experience. You will begin to experience the depth. Let's continue. Verse 22. I love this part. This is one of my favorite parts. Then as you unwrap my words. Unwrap. Isn't that a beautiful illustration of how we are to study and experience the Bible? Unwrapping it. Right? You've seen your kids unwrap a present. Or you yourself. You know, it's excitement, it's joy, you're longing to get there. You're looking, you're looking forward, is the next rip going to reveal the truth that is hidden there? Right? It's like a discovery. If I hit on the footnote here, it says, unwrap or discover my words. Now, this is also in the Greek way of thinking, the mysteries of the word. We know that in the New Testament, to uncover the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, the word mystery there isn't that it remains a mystery. But it's like you're doing a treasure hunt for your kids and you put it somewhere that is not so easy to find, but they enjoy the experience. They need to go out and exercise. They need to go and dig a bit, but you hide it so that they do find it. And that's what it is like encountering the word of God is unwrapping, discovering and engaging with the word that you find truth in it like a precious gift. For me, sometimes I feel like Indiana Jones as I'm adventuring through the Bible because I'm uncovering things that, that I've never seen before and you get excited like I am doing today. This was an exciting journey for me. Right? Let's continue. Top down from where we started. Verse 23. And to the core of what we're speaking about. Above all, do what? Guard the affections of your heart. Guard the affections of your heart. Right? Again, we continue. How do we do that? By paying attention to the welfare of your innermost being. That word pay attention is, is repeated. It's repeated. We can see that. But as I've unpacked the meaning of heart, 
I think you have a better understanding of how we are to conserve our whole heart. You see, if you read that verse in isolation, Proverbs 4.23, like I've done in the past, and maybe I've understood it incorrectly, but some people might think that the Lord here is cautioning you in terms of who to open your heart to, right? In other words, protect yourself from opening your heart to others because you might get hurt. Well, in fact, if we read it in the context of the scripture, it may be the quite, quite the opposite. If we read the next verses that we're going to, rather it's encouraging us to open our heart fully, fully, first to the word, so we can then allow it to edify us and change us internally. And then when we do that, we will begin to look different and treat others differently. And how, how do I know this? Well, we just have to read verse 24. It says, yeah, avoid this honest speech, another directive, and pretentious words. See, so this guarding is, is, is talking about being honest in, in love and humility. It also talks about be free from using perverse words, no matter what. In, in other words, the way you engage with people, let yourself be gentle. Don't be so harsh and, and don't treat people in a mean manner. But let's continue. 25. Now from 25 to 27, you can see it's one core thought here, but it's a continuation of where we were. Watch where you're going, the headline says in the Passion Translation. But it starts off with 25. Set your gaze on the path before you. With what? With fixed purpose. I love that. Fixed purpose. Right? And, and the one that I think that challenges all of us in the age of distraction is ignore life's distractions. Ignore life's distractions. Now, like I said, today's world, we're rife with distractions. And what's worse is I don't know if it's just unique to our age or not, but it seems like our attention span has never been more fleeting. We have more distractions. Not only that, maybe because of that, we struggle to pay attention for long, for long effective periods of time. You know, to study nowadays is something that takes concerted effort, not just the word of God. If you're writing an exam, Ryan and Luke will tell you and all the students will tell you, it's, it's quite hard. When I was growing up, it was the TV. But nowadays, the kids are surrounded by so many means of communication and technology and and distractions. It's video games, it's tablets, it's text messages, I think is a big one. I mean, when you have a meeting and you put the phone on the table and your phone's vibrating, even if it's on silent, you're not fully paying attention, right? Some people put phones in a basket and switch them off and they leave the phones outside so they can give their whole attention span to that meeting. We are living in an age where distractions are rife and our attention span is fleeting. So how critical is Solomon's directive here? To set our heart on things that matter with a fixed purpose, we read. Fixed purpose. Verse 26. And when we do this, we stick to the path of truth. We stick to the path of truth. And in verse 27, we don't allow ourselves to be sidetracked, even for a moment. Even for a moment. See, when we focus and set our gaze on the path of truth, we will avoid dangerous alleyways and detours. 
What I've come to realize personally is that this, what Solomon is talking about here is the internal battle of the heart. It's our thoughts, our emotions, our physicality, and our choices where we get distracted. This is why when we're engaging the word wholeheartedly is critical. To engage the word wholeheartedly is critical. It keeps every aspect of our heart on the path of truth. This is what it means to guard your heart. For me, that's where I land. This is what it means to guard your heart, is to fully engage the word with every aspect of our heart. Because when we do that, it's the center and the steering wheel of everything who we are. Our emotions aren't out of kilter. Our, our physical being is not, not slagging off. Our choices will line up with the word. Our thoughts will line up with the word. We won't be like a reed tossing and turning in the wind. I'm going to unshare my screen just for a moment. You see, what I've come to realize is the Bible isn't a moral code book. It isn't a set of behavioral rules and laws that we should abide by. So we can have a good, healthy life and afterlife. Right? If we approach the Bible with that expectation, I feel we're missing more than three quarters of what it is. The Bible is so much more than just a set of behavioral rules to make sure you have live a good life and have a good afterlife. What is it then? It is the very essence and nature of Christ. It is his DNA. Jesus was and still is the word made flesh. The more we wholeheartedly engage with the word, the more we engage with Christ. And like Solomon is urging us to engage with Christ with all of our being and allow him, the word, to transform us to his likeness. Let me, let me say that again. When we engage the word wholeheartedly, we are engaging with Christ and we are allowing him to transform us into his likeness, because we are partaking of his very essence, his very nature, his very DNA. Then you can understand the scriptures when they say, eat the word, partake of the word, meditate in the day and night, for there will be life to you. Right? When we let me give you another example as we as we land the plane here. I want those of you who, who have a special someone in your life, I want you to think back to that moment when 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 they when you knew they've entered your heart and you've actually given them your heart, right? When we, we find that special someone in our life and we say, I've, I've given them my heart. You know what? I find this is a very accurate illustration of what happens, just as the holistic Hebrew understanding of heart. Let's unpack it. When, you, when, you're, in, when you're in that amazing, blooming part of, of a relationship, you want to be close to them at all times. You want to be in their space. You want to be physically together, right? So it speaks of the physicality. And then our emotions are given and intrinsically tied to that other person. They, they more than anybody else, affect our emotional state a lot easier than anybody else. We give them our emotions. We give them everything that we are. They are always in our thoughts. We continually think and meditate on them and their well-being. We put them even ahead of ourselves often. Because they're always in, on our mind. And they are always considered and consulted, or they should be at least, when we have choices to make. They are involved in the decision process. So can you see when you say, I've given my heart to somebody, you can see you've given them your physical life, your emotional well-being, your thoughts, 
right? They're always on your mind and you always consult them when making choices. All aspects of a heart that we unpack today is involved in that relational part of being in a relationship. Our whole heart is given and shared with them. This is, this is not a bad thing. This is how humans we were designed to be and how we were designed to have an intimate relationship. Where every aspect of our heart, our whole being, is engaged with another. Now ask yourself, why were we designed like that? Not just for human interaction, but we were ultimately designed to have intimate relationship and fellowship with the Father. God designed us this way because he wants to engage us wholeheartedly. He wants to be in our space. He wants to be the object of his affection and us to be the object or him to be the object of our affection. He wants to be in our thoughts continually and he wants to be core to our choices. It's simple. He wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with us. The truth is he initiated the relationship first and he has already given his whole heart to us. Think about it. Through Jesus and his word, he broke the barrier that was separating and he came to be physically close to us. For me, that is amazing reality and truth of Jesus is that he did everything in his power to be there physically with humanity. He walked the earth with humans. He had relationship with disciples. He wanted to be there physically. It wasn't just transactional alone. He wanted, there, he wanted to have a relationship, a physical relationship. He wanted to walk with his disciples and show them what it truly means to be human. We were the object of his affection from the get-go. I mean, you just also have to turn to the New Testament and see how Jesus saw and loved his disciples. Before washing their feet, he looked at them and he had affections and he, you knew he was going to miss them when you read those words. You could see how much he meant to them. We are the object of the Father and Jesus' affection. We are always in his thoughts. A lot of you would quote that the Father has good thoughts for me, a plan for hope and a future. That is correct. He, he's, we are always on his thoughts. He always meditates and mediates for us. And you know, there's one aspect is that he's already given us his whole heart. He's already given us, an important part of the heart is he's already given us complete control of choice so that we are able to choose him for ourselves. Because the truth is he's already chosen us by just creating us. Every person created in the history of time till today and forevermore is a choice action. The Lord has chosen them to be on this earth. There should never be a question as the Lord has never chosen me. The fact that you breathe air in your lungs is evidence that the Lord has chosen you. All he wants back is for us to choose him in return. That's the beauty. You think of the, the, the wisdom literature is that if you love something, you need to let it go. The truth is the father let us go from the moment we came out. He's given us that freedom of choice. Is that not true love? He wants us to want him. He wants us to want him. So as you can see how important it is when, for me, I love studying scripture this way. I love starting in my intellect, starting in my mind and the way I'm wired. Again, that's not, not necessarily everybody's outer courts experience. It's not everybody's gateway. But I urge you, find your outer courts experience of the word and don't stay there. If it's, if it's taking a walk and listening to the word audibly with some praise and worship songs, do that. Engage with the word. Because for me, it's the only time I truly feel alive and engaged wholeheartedly with the Father. It's only then he begins to speak to me. As a kid, a lot of us struggle. How does the Lord talk? 
we struggle with that abstract idea and we think it is abstract but it's because we also approach the word very abstractly for me what i understand in the hebrew mind is a concrete way of encountering relationship with the lord just like you encounter relationship with a physical person you, you go and meet them right when you when you're courting someone and this is someone potentially your life made you go on dates you go you make sure you engage with everything who they are their values their beliefs their personality their commitments and you have that relationship for me this is what the word is the word is that relationship experience so i trust you were blessed as, as i was when i studied the bible like like we did in proverbs 4 verse 20 to 27 and as always my core message is very similar folks it's always an encouragement to engage the word how the lord has made you because that's my testimony is the lord has made me in a certain way and he wants me to engage him in that way and i just want to liberate people what the word is it's not just as a black and white letters on a page that tell us how to live life it's so much more than that i mean this is proverbs where a lot of people think that's all proverbs is is someone telling you how to live a good life so you can have a good life and, and make sure you have a good afterlife but it's so much more than that read psalm 1 it talks so much more about an organic fruitful life so i trust you were blessed and i encourage you to engage with the word wholeheartedly with every aspect of our heart we hope that you've enjoyed this message for additional resources and more information Come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.